0: All right, so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are going to briefly go through this whole chapter. You know, this is one of those chapters where like when I was just reading through the first portion of this book preparing to kind of start this series with you guys, I got to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and I'm like, I don't really know how this is going to like make sense to the students. It's basically about this church having a favorite preacher which I think most of you probably don't really care about that, like that much. I don't know that you have like a favorite preacher or speaker or anything like that. And so I was just kind of thinking, okay, well, how exactly do I go about doing this? But I just wanna tell you that First Corinthians chapter 3 has so much to say to you and to me. So I, w- I, wanna, I wanna ask you something though. Have, have, you ever, um, have you ever had a moment where you were just really, really bad at something that you used to be really good at? So let me refresh your memory like there's this video game that you're just really good at and you get on to play that game and you're like, man, I'm so bad at this. Like what is happening? Or maybe you are really good at an instrument. So for instance, I play the guitar and uh, I'm actually pretty decent at guitar. However, I don't really practice a lot. And so sometimes I'll get in these kicks where I'll just like sit around and I'll play and I'll get like pretty good at these songs that are kind of hard. And so I'll be like, man, I'm pretty good. And then I won't play for like 14 years. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, like, ah, oh, my fingers, ah, oh, what's happening? And it's just kind of, you know, a little frustrating. Or maybe you're, you have a sport and you play this sport year round, maybe. You're, you're like totally dedicated to this thing. Maybe you do baseball or softball or something and you do travel leagues and you're just really good at this. And then one day you go out and have a really, really bad game. And you're like, what is happening? I'm so good at this. Or maybe you're good at math or science and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I've studied, I know what I'm doing. And then you take a test and it's like, my parents are gonna kill me and you don't really know what happened. Maybe it's cooking. You're really good at cooking, that's your hobby. And you go to bake cinnamon rolls, something that's easy and you burn them. And you're like, what happened? Maybe you're really good at plucking your eyebrows and you just get real crazy. And the next thing you know, you have half an eyebrow on one side Maybe at one point in your life, you were pretty good at youth ministry, but it can be pretty disheartening Like when you're good at something, when you have that thing that you're just really good at. It's kind of almost the thing that you can count on, and then the next thing you know, you're not good at it. It, it, can, be, it can be disheartening. And what you end up realizing is instead of progressing in this thing, in that moment, you feel like you're regressing. So not only are you not good, you're actually bad. <laughs> you're not even as good as you once were. You're, you're bad at it. Well, this is exactly what Paul is going to be addressing to us here, right? What do you do when you feel like you're going backwards in your faith? What do you do when you feel like you're going backwards in your faith? That's a question all of us will wrestle with at one point or another in our lifetime, and you're going to wrestle with that multiple times as a believer. So what do you do? All right, well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 first, and then we will flesh that out. So 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, or another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? God's building. According to the grace given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So just stop right there. Verse 11, the foundation of the Christian life is Jesus. Nothing else. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it, right? That's the, the Lord's return. Because it will be revealed by fire. The works will be judged. and the fire will what sort of I'm sorry, I'm going in and out aren't I, I don't know what's happening here? Verse 14, "If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward." If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. That is, he will come through the judgment. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you, believer, are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in the age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, which is Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Let's pray and we'll dig in. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for this moment to consider this wisdom for our life. I pray, I pray that you would apply it to our lives, that you would use it to change us for your glory and for our good. And I pray if there are unbelievers in our midst, which certainly, certainly there are, I pray that you would open their eyes and open their ears to see and to hear the good news of the gospel tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so the question is, are you growing in your faith or are you living in a way that's stunting your growth? So if you claim to be a believer, are you growing in your faith or are you living in a way that's stunting your growth? So I have two points. The first is this, here's the problem in Corinth. Paul says the problem is this, you are behaving like infants. So what I want you to see as as we look at this and as Paul is looking into this church from afar, and right, he's heard from Chloe's people, Chloe's the gangster in Corinth that has people, and they see things that are happening in the church. They've sent people to Paul, and Paul's like, what in the world is happening? Well, as Paul is seeing all of this stuff and all of the ways in which they are falling short, the holiness of God, he sends out this letter to them. And now here in chapter 3, he's indicating to them that there is the capacity within a believer to take back on the wisdom of the world. So he spent two full chapters saying, hey, there is a wisdom in the world, and then there's a wisdom that comes from God. As believers, you have been set into, apart from the world, the wisdom of God. This is who you are, and the world has its own system. That's who you used to be, but remember, church, this is who you are because of what Christ did for you. He bought you. He died for you. And he set you apart. He plucked you out of the world and into the church. And so what Paul is telling them now is you need to understand what has happened here. You have exchanged God's wisdom and you have taken back on the wisdom of the world. And so he's telling them they're doing this, but he's also giving them a warning. Right? He, he's, he's saying to them, there is a clear progression of faith. What is that progression? When you become a believer, God gives you the milk of the faith, right? the things that infants and babies eat. But as you eat that milk, you begin to need more and more and more sustenance. Right, You begin to need puffs. You guys know what puffs are? On number four, we're like milk, steak right? Like, that's what we did. Like, why waste money on all of this stuff? Just go to the good things. But what Paul is telling them is, hey, you, you do realize when you come into the faith, I, I, I give you milk. Things like, we're just going to have to deal with it. I'm going to cut in and out. We just got to go, right? So you're going you're gonna to have milk. Things like Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And because of that, you are saved. Because of that, you are a child of God. But then next week, he's going to say, Hey, because of that truth, guess what? It affects your whole life. And then three months later, he says, Hey, the truth of the gospel, it affects your whole life. But guess what? It even is something that will discern the way you view the world. Okay. A year later, Hey, your specific view on sexuality will come from your understanding of the gospel. So you see this progression, right? Well, the gospel, the gospel in life, the gospel in a specific life situation, the gospel in relationships, the gospel in worship. That's the progression from milk to meat. You grow. What's Paul say to our friends in Corinth? You're back at milk, right? We got to go back to the gospel because the, the things over here, you're not thinking right about them. You have exchanged the wisdom of God for the wisdom of the world. And so we need to restart. We need to reset. And then we need to consider the wisdom of God as we go through this. Now, here's the thing. This is actually all really good news to us in one sense. Why is that? Because what Paul is saying is we grow in our faith. We start with milk and we grow. So what does that mean for you? It means if you were saved two years ago, then you're still kind of a baby Christian. Don't expect yourself to be a mature Christian like maybe an adult would be. Like understand that there is a process of growth. And so don't let like where you are today be stifling to, do, to you if you're like, man, I just know so many smart people, like they know Greek and Hebrew. You ain't gonna know Greek and Hebrew. I studied it in school and guess who still doesn't know it? Jared. But here's what we need to realize. Here's the flip side of that. We need to realize that our growth will be stunted if we become malnourished. So, in one sense, it's God's grace that we progress in the faith and we grow over time. But we also need to be concerned and warned that if we become malnourished, then we will regress. Our our growth in the faith will be stunted. Let me explain. The other day, well, this is just the most recent time we forgot to feed our dog. We do it a lot. (laughs) I'm just, we have four children. They take priority. Animals don't have feelings. It's fine. (gasps) How could you? I have, did I just get calls for shaving my beard? (laughs) So the other day we forgot to feed our dog. Lady in the front, please calm down. (laughs) The other day we forgot to feed our dog. But here's the thing, like as the day went on, do you want to know what happened? Uh, She got more and more hungry. And what you might say is that her stomach began to control her, right? Can I get an amen? We know what that's like, right? It doesn't matter if you're an animal or a human, you get hungry. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I'm hangry. We all know what that means, right? We know what it is to be hangry. So June, our dog, became hungry and her stomach began to control her, So here's the problem. Here's the problem for us. The problem was not that our dog was hungry. The problem was that her hunger needed to be satisfied. And the only option for satisfying her hunger were bad options, like everything on the countertop, everything in the trash can, an entire bag of chocolate. Nope. Just wait. Magnets. Well, this is several of the forgotten defeats. This is what has happened. She was hungry, she was hungry, she was gonna eat, and there were only bad options to satisfy her hunger. Do you wanna know that this is exactly what happens to us in the faith when we become hungry and we consume only the bad option? What happens? You become malnourished. A dog, this is what the vet told us at least, the dog cannot survive on magnets. In fact, she was at the vet because we Googled our dog ate magnets and it said, your dog will die. I'm Google it, I'm not joking. So we had to take her and she unfortunately didn't die. No, she's alive, I'm just messing with you. Listen, if you're in my house and you're gonna eat magnets, <laughs> she's very lucky we took her to the vet. That's all I'm gonna say. But we, we, we end up eating one way or another. I want you to know that about yourself. This is not like, a oh, the youth pastor is trying to tell me about myself. Like Just like humble yourself and hear me when I say you will, you will consume one way or another. Here's the thing. If we're not feasting on what is good for us, then we will feast on what's bad for us. It's true. We are created with an appetite for wisdom. You and I, Genesis 1.26, Genesis 2, they tell us that we are made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God. We are people who long for wisdom. We are people who desire wisdom. The question is this, whose wisdom are you consuming? Are you consuming God's wisdom or are you consuming the world's wisdom? Paul tells them, I'm writing to tell you that I am addressing you with milk, not solid food. You have exchanged God's wisdom for the world's wisdom. We need to start with the elementary things. We need to be reminded who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded who we are, not because of what we have done, but because of what God has done for us freely. You have forgotten that. How do I know? Because you're making these decisions. If you really understood what God has done for you in Christ, that grace, that forgiveness, that mercy then you wouldn't make this choice. Dear Corinth, remember. So number two, the reason this is a problem. So why is this a problem? right? And here, you, you want to know what he's actually talking about at this point. He's talking about the people in Corinth having this feud over who's the best. Is it Paul? Is it Apollos? Is it Cephas, which again is the apostle Peter? Is it Christ? Right. You, it's so bad at this point that you have people pulling out the Jesus card. Well, Paul is my favorite preacher. Oh yeah? Well mine is Apollos. Mine is Cephas. Mine's Jesus. <laughs> right. It's like it's like we we lined up four dudes and we're like, who's your favorite? And the last dude's like, man, what do I do now? I'll tell you. Jesus. <laughs> right. Like they're they're just trying to be on the winning team, to, to be with the the best dude. Like that's where we are here. We're not talking about like we have forsaken the Trinity, which none of us really fully comprehend, anyways. He's not talking about that. He's like, stop having favorites. Or the gospel doesn't just lead you into this thing where you start understanding life. The gospel informs the way you live. The gospel says, no, when you come into church, it's not about you, it's not about your favorites. So here's the problem you are behaving like infants. Here's the reason for the problem. Why is it a problem? Because you belong to God. Right? Paul's concern for the church. Is that they aren't living in a way that honors God? That's his biggest concern for them. Do you know that, like, the goal of the Christian life is to live for God's glory and not your own? Right? If it's like, okay, well, what do we do? Well, like, sin less? Uh, maybe I don't know. That's that's decent. Uh, read your Bible more. That's it's important. That's a good thing. Pray more. Yeah, absolutely. And amen. Yeah, all of those things are really good. But you do realize there's an overarching reason, purpose, for your life as a believer. What is it? Glorify God. What does is, what is glorifying God look like? Making much of Him with every moment of your life. Making much of Him with every moment of your life. But here's the thing. They have divisions in their church. They have arguments. There's jealousy. And then there's a whole host of other things that we're going to see. I mean, some really crazy things. I mean, at one point, these people are even like taking people to court. Here's what Paul says. The Spirit of God is in you. He, he tells us that in chapters 1 and 2. But then he begins to tell us that we are God's building. All right, we are God's building. We are God's temple. So the Holy Spirit is in us, which makes us the temple of God, which means that we are holy people, right? Don't miss that. You're like, what does it mean to be God's building and God's temple? What it means is that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are now a holy person. What is the temple in all of the Bible? Well, let me tell you, I'd be happy to tell you, The temple is the place where they worship God. Even the tabernacle, when they had their animal skins that they would put up and they would carry it around and they'd set it up, they would go in. And then finally, when they have an actual building and Solomon builds this whole thing, then they've got this place with actual walls where they go in and the purpose is exactly the same. Jesus, here in just a moment, we're gonna look, goes into a temple. What is the purpose of that temple in all of those places? It's to go and to worship God, to praise him, to ascribe glory to him to attribute worth and value to him. Well, Paul says, well, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are the temple of God, and because you are the temple of God, you are where God's holiness dwells, right? Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. It says here, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall not be called a house, or excuse me, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you, you make it a den of robbers. What was Jesus's issue with these Jews? Well, it's really actually simple. The temple worship became about them. The temple became a place where they could sell and make money. The temple was a place where they thought, you know what, I can really benefit from this. And what Jesus said was, nope. Why? Because this is the place where we worship God. This place is about God. Well, you do realize anytime unbelievers, or excuse me, anytime believers Are living for us and not God, we are ascribing worship to us. Right? We're saying no. No. This temple is not a place to worship God. This temple is a place for me to get rich. Jesus will have none of it. We're still in danger of this exact same thing today. Right? The temptation is to come into this place or to live the Christian life for me. I've been doing this thing for like 22 years now, 24, 24 years I've been a believer, and this is a danger for me every day, to live for me, to to have this temple not be about God's glory and worship to God, but worship of me, where we do things, we come into this place and we're like, and this is these are serious, this is serious, and this is how petty we are, right? They're fighting about who is the best preacher, and we do things like this. You know what? Youth is cool. But this music is stupid. Why do we sing these songs? Why are we singing songs to God? I can't even see Him. Why are we singing this song? This song is stupid. I like this song. This song sounds old. These people aren't cool enough for me. I wish we had a cooler youth group. All the people at this youth group are lame. I'm so cool. This is too long. Why are you still talking? We want to go home. Stop saying I'm a sinner. I come here every week and you say the same thing. You tell me I'm not a good person. You tell me that the world's a bad place. Stop saying I'm a sinner. You, preacher man, don't know what you're talking about. You think you know. You think you know, but I know. I know better than you. You know what? My God is not like that. I hear what you're saying. You even have a Bible. But that's not my God. My God would never believe that. My God would never think that. My God would never say that. This is what we do. It's what we do. We become consumed with ourselves, and we let us dictate the worship of this temple, instead of this temple being about God's glory. We say, "Nah, this temple is about my glory." Well, Paul's counsel is this: Don't think you're so wise and special. <laughs> you know, I just love Paul. I love Paul because at some t- at some points, and I mean, I need this all the time. He's like in like a low-key way, he's like, hey, you guys, <clears throat> you guys are idiots. Well, why, why am I saying that? Because you're thinking, he, doesn't, he never says you're not wise and special. He never says that. Well, yes, he does. Why would he say that to us? Because he tells us at the end of chapter three that every believer has been given all things in Christ. Don't think you're so wise and special. Don't think that your desires and wants and needs are greater than anyone else's, because if you really are a believer then you have been given all things in Christ just like every other believer. Chapter two, verse seven, Paul says this, but we impart a secret wisdom, that's Paul, we impart a secret wisdom and hidden wisdom of God, that's the gospel, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. What is Paul saying? God imparted this wisdom to us before the ages for our glory. What does that mean? It means this, God has chosen to give us his glory and make it ours. We are adopted children. We we are adopted into this thing. We have nothing to boast about. We have no reason to worship ourselves. We certainly don't have any reason to hold ourselves in higher esteem than God Himself. Why? Because we are adopted children. We are heirs. We are receiving something that we did not work for. And so he says this: who can boast about that? who can boast? The answer is none of us. Not one of us. So the reason Paul says you guys are behaving like infants, it's because they have exchanged the gift of wisdom that God has given them through the Spirit, and they have exchanged it or they have regressed into taking back on the wisdom of the world. And Paul says don't do that. Don't act that way. Don't have favorites even, because you belong to God. And if you belong to God, your life belongs to Him. So what do we want to do about it? Well, if you're a believer, what I want you to do at some point is, is take a minute tonight and, and ask God to reveal the ways in which you are malnourished, the ways in which you have exchanged God's wisdom for the world's wisdom. Because we all have in one way or another, all of us, your adult leaders, and every single one of you. Ask God to reveal the ways that you are being malnourished, and ask him to give you an appetite for good things. Why would you do that? Because if you are a believer, he will hear you and he will answer you. Now, if you're an unbeliever, here's what I want for you, right? Maybe you're just not sure what's going on right now, right? You're like, okay, this is stupid. You are stupid. That's totally fine. And I agree with you on at least one of those things, right? You're like, okay, well, you are a little stupid, but I am a little interested about the Jesus thing. Well, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you feel led to do that, I want you at some point to pray and confess your sin to God and place your faith in Jesus. I want you to to confess your sin and place your faith in Jesus. There's not a right formula. There's no right arrangement of words. I just want you to tell God that you are a sinner and that you believe Jesus died for me.